Hey everyone, welcome to the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. Yeah, I'm Joe. All right, Joe. Uh, we talked about in our last episode a little bit about the NCAA canceling the March Madness before it even started and not postponing it. Um, you know, one thing that we kind of wanted to talk about is the fact that they made this decision unilaterally and without even consulting conference commissioners, especially the, the big the power five conference commissioners, like Mike Slav. I mean, it's not even not Mike Slav. Uh, the new SEC commissioner heard it from Heather Denich. He didn't even hear it directly from Miles Zimmer. So I think what I'm interested to see is the ripple effect that the NCAA's decision on this has on a possible power five separation. Yeah, it definitely could have a direct impact on that. Um, you know, we, as um, Ole Miss fans, you know, we're fed up with the NCAA, you know, for how they handled that situation. There's so many things that we disagree with them, you and I both. You know, I really feel like there's nothing they really do that makes a whole lot of sense. And not only the NCAA basketball tournament was taken away from us, but the spring sports mm-hmm. are taken away. We don't get to see the Women's College World Series or Men's College World Series. We don't get to see any other spring sports. I mean, what, what a travesty. What a premature decision when, you know, they were still in their infancy as far as finding out information about the pandemic. I would like to know who made this decision. You know, was there advisement from, uh, you know, anyone associated with another athletic program? Was it just the commissioner unilaterally? Did he have some advisement from health professionals? Because right now, Dan, you know, I'm looking at it like um, Major League Baseball the other day talking about a chance that they're in the works for trying to start the season in late May or early June by uh, putting the teams out in Arizona to start the season in kind of a bubble, an isolated place where there's a lot of testing and you've monitored the situation without fans. And so I'm like, if there's even a remote possibility of that happening, that makes me even more frustrated that the NCAA was so quick to cancel basketball. Yeah, Joe, I mean, if I'm someone that's the head of the, AC, the ACC, the SEC, or especially the Big Ten this year, I better have someone like Dr. Fauci coming on on a teleconference and explain to me why this has to be canceled and why this can't be postponed. I mean, I don't understand how you can make a decision like that without involving the commissioners. I mean, that's ludicrous to me. It's, it's mindless. Um, it just adds to the laundry list of our frustration with the NCAA and every other major activity in other athletics has postponed. That's been the buzzword. Nobody else has canceled. The Olympics for 2020 was postponed to 2021. Mm-hmm. The Masters postponed to November. I mean, this is the only thing that has just decided to get that unilateral knee-jerk reaction to cancel. And I really feel like that moment about three or four weeks ago caused the severe magnitude of depression on the country was when they canceled the NCAA tournament. I mean, that was worse than anything because people are like, you know, overreacting because the NCAA is overreacting. Yeah, I and mean, I think that's a good point. And it, one of the things that could have lifted people's spirits up is getting to watch games, even if it was in an empty arena. And, I mean, I understand you have to have, you know, player safety, 
but you could have pushed it back. You didn't have to cancel it. And, and Joe, speaking of a laundry list of issues we have with the NCAA, which I don't have enough shows in the world to tell you all the problems I have with them, the latest thing they did made me even more mad. And that's the fact that not only did you take away the NCAA tournament from all of these kids, you took away a year of eligibility when they didn't get to play for a championship. How can you possibly justify that? Yeah, that was ludicrous in its own right. I remember right after they pulled the plug on the March Madness tournament three or four weeks ago, I heard an interview the next day with UConn women's coach uh, Gino Ariana, mm-hmm. and he was posed the question about an extra year of eligibility. And he said, absolutely. That's what you should do at the very least is give all of these athletes in men's and women's basketball that did not get an opportunity to play for a championship an extra year of eligibility. And when I heard that interview, I was thinking to myself, this is Gino Ariana, one of the most respected um, coaches in college basketball. If he's saying it, it makes a lot of sense. Surely the NCAA hears this. And then what did they do? They denied that extra year of eligibility, and they did award it to the players in the spring sports. But here's my concern there. I love the idea to give it to the players in the spring sports, but you could see some issues with the roster sizes because in baseball, for instance, you don't see the one and dones. Mm-hmm. More players are there three or four years. And so, you know, basketball to me makes even more sense to do it because there's more roster turnover every year. Yeah, baseball, you're going to be dealing with expanded rosters and fights for scholarships and things like that. It's really going to, like, I love the idea. I wanted them to do it. Don't get me wrong. But for me, the NCAA objectively evaluating the situation, it made more sense to do it for basketball. When you think about it, Joe, I mean, a great recruiting class in basketball is what? Signing three players. I mean, there's not near as many people involved in it. And what really makes me mad about it, we've talked about Cassius Winston a lot. I mean, this is a guy that got his degree, could have gone to the NBA two years ago, but he's decided to be just an absolute great captain of his team, really what you want to see in a student athlete. He doesn't get to play for a championship, and he loses his last year of eligibility. But let's look at the other end of that aisle, not someone that's been a starter for four years. Let's go to my favorite team, Auburn. Look at Samir Dowdy and Javon McCormick. Those are guys that are seniors that had to wait for multiple years in order to be a starter. I mean, Javon McCormick was behind Jared Harper for three years and didn't get to be Auburn's starting point guard until his senior year. And he led a team that in a lot of ways was better than last year's team and they had a chance to make a deep run, but he doesn't get to play for a championship. He doesn't even try to get to, to lead his Auburn team to a championship when he did the right thing. He didn't transfer, and he bided his time and to be able to be the starting point guard. And then Samir Dowdy did the same thing. He had to wait behind Bryce Brown for a couple years before he was able to play. And you're denying these guys the chance to win a championship, and then you're taking away their last year of eligibility. I mean, to me, that's just unforgivable. It is. It is. It's just a completely unacceptable. And, you know, obviously at the end of the day, you know, my biggest concern is, you know, the health of everybody. You know, my heart goes out to anybody, you know, that's suffering during this pandemic. But, you know, the other travesty, the other, you know, heartbreaking fact and reality of this is that you have so many 
people that are in high school right now, high school seniors, um, people that are in college that are just losing out on opportunities that you and I had. Yeah. You know, they can't get back those memories. Some of the best memories of their lives, you know, spending time with their friends, going to school, playing sports, extracurricular activities, that's taken away from them. You know, I'm 30 years old. You know, yes, it's inconvenient for me having this lockdown, but I feel like, you know, I look at their position and it's just, it's so tough and, and hard to hard to observe from afar. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about that too. Like all the people that were in their senior year of college at all, having to go through this, having to take remote classes. You have to go back home when you don't want to be home with your family right now, but you're stuck there in the house with them. You're, you don't get to be around your friends. You can't be in close contact with them. And I mean, what a terrible year to graduate. I mean, you got to, you got to have your heart out to anyone that's having to graduate right now, be it high school, senior year of high school, which is a great time for a young person, or senior year of college. And so, yeah, you're right. It, it inconveniences us, but I'm sorry, it's a lot worse for them right now. And, and you, then, then you're going to add on to that that you take away their chance to compete for a championship and have no more chances when you were the one to take it away to begin with. Yeah, that's true. So. That's an upsetting thing. And you're right, Jay. That's definitely going to be a big consideration in baseball, which is one where a lot of kids have to go to JUCO anyway. And the JUCOs are just going to be overloaded next year. And you're right. I don't think you can even go to the baseball draft until you're a junior, right? Isn't that one of the rules there? You can be a junior or a draft eligible sophomore if your birthday falls like in a certain month. But yet you're at least – in most cases, guys are going to be there three years, with some exceptions. And so you're basically telling the incoming freshman class from high school, the guys that just missed out on their high school senior season of baseball, that you're probably not even going to play as a true freshman. You're probably going to be registered just because of that log jam of the roster. Yeah, it's just, it's unacceptable. And, you know, uh, for baseball, too, I really hate it because – you think about it in Mississippi, I mean, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State have really good teams, but you're not going to get to see what they could have done this year. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss had won 16 consecutive games heading into that um, suspended lost season. I mean, they were on fire, and I guess that's the most Ole Miss thing for that to happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe this was the year they were going to win it, and then, of course, it, it Ole Miss upon itself. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, Jim, maybe we should try and see if we get Mike Bianco to be a guest on our show again because that was such an enlightening, great conversation what we had with him back when we interviewed him at Ole Miss. Yeah, it was really cool, you know, to have him on the show. Um, you know, it's interesting talking to someone like that, you know, behind the scenes in their office, if I remember correctly. Yes. You know, it's kind of cool to get an inside look, you know, of who they are, and we found out some interesting things about. Them. Yeah, we did. We definitely found out. I never would have wanted to play baseball for that guy. The, the, the best part of that interview was, I don't like music. I don't think any of us really even knew what to say when that was that was said. I didn't think that it was possible for someone to not like music. I know that you don't like certain kinds of music or certain artists, but to not like music at all, that was definitely something. Well, the thing about Mike Bianco is this, I've decided. He runs a very strict program. Like you had a player on the team earlier this season who got a DUI, and oh my goodness, you know, like the reaction from Mike Bianco, like he is just so hard on his players. Um, yeah. His sons, his sons are both playing college baseball, but he would not let them play for him at Ole Miss. 
like he encouraged them to play at LSU and right. Louisville respectively, just because like he doesn't want to have to be hard on them like he is on everybody else. Like it, he just runs you know a tight program. Uh, you know the players just have to you know adhere to his standards, and you just don't see like that personality. Like you don't see um, him joking around. Like he's just real like you know cut and dry. This is how it goes, and like you said. Him not wanting uh, music around, it kind of exemplifies his personality. No, no, that is. I mean, he definitely he treats it like a business, and there's his process, and that's it. I mean, you could see when we interviewed him why it's as successful as he is, but that was uh, that was definitely um, one of the more interesting interviews I've had, just on on uh, how difficult of a person he is to really get him to, to open up or you know be happy about anything. <laughs> like, um, so that's a shame that he, he, he missed out on his chance this year. Um, speaking of which, Joe, uh, on chances, sports are going to return. The question of is when. We've got different things put out there. It looks like the Masters is going to be in November now. And then you also have the Kentucky Derby slated to, to be on the first weekend of college football season, which, man, what a weekend that's going to be. You get to have all the big-time games to begin the year. Um what uh, USC and Alabama, Auburn and North Carolina, uh, a lot of other really good big time games, and then you also get the Kentucky Derby in the mix of all that. So while we're not getting to see it in the spring, be kind of interesting. That might be kind of a you know cool thing if they do it right during the halftime of the big game, and you can just turn over to see the five minutes of the Kentucky Derby. But that, that would be awesome. That's actually a really good idea, and maybe somebody will you know take that and run with it. I think, Dan, whenever sports do resume, we're going to have kind of that moment similar to what people experienced when television was first invented. We're not going to care what is on. It's just going to be sports. And it's going to be so refreshing and so exhilarating because everybody has missed it immensely. We don't have that distraction to get us through, you know, the tough days when we've had a tough day at work and you can come home and turn on a game and, think about something positive and cheer for your team. It's a healthy part of society. Um, it's something that has gotten America through a lot of struggles historically, and hopefully it will come back sooner rather than later. We talked about some of the events that have been rescheduled. We're still hopeful at some point they can resume uh, the NBA, even if it has to be July and August, and play kind of a uh, shorter uh, postseason. Uh, I talked about earlier uh, Major League Baseball experimenting with the idea of putting the league in a bubble uh, temporarily in Arizona um, where they can be quarantined and start the season just to have something on television for us to watch. Um, not sure how practical that idea is because obviously the players have to sign up for isolation from their families for a few months. And there's even talk that there would be social distancing. They would not... Um, during the game, use the dugout because there would not be fans in the bleachers. They would sit in the stands in between innings six feet apart. Uh, there would not be a home plate umpire. They would call balls and strikes with a computer for social distancing. So a lot of kind of weird elements that would have to be signed up to and agreed on by the players and the league. But I'm just excited, Dan, that that's being discussed that glimmer of hope for me that they could start back in late May or early June, I feel like maybe that's what we need to springboard some of these other sports coming back sooner rather than later. 
Joe, I'm so desperate for sports right now. I would listen to Booger McFarlane call the Final Four. Well, you see, you see Nick Richards. He uh, he's good because he's big. I mean, big, you can be good at basketball. That would be basically what you would get with Booger McFarlane announcing the Final Four. But I would still watch it. That's how desperate I am right now for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody's starved for it. And, um, you know, actually with Booger McFarlane, it's interesting you mentioned him. I heard uh, a couple weeks ago that ESPN was trying to get Drew Brees to sign on before he re-signed with the Saints as their commentator for Monday Night Football. That would be so much better. Oh, God. Turn it down this year so he can come back one more year. Well, I mean, the good news is for ESPN, the people are going to be so desperate that they can ignore Booker, Booker McFarlane, but they've got to they've got to change that at some point. He's just terrible. I'm sorry, man. It's just that this isn't for you. He's okay, like on regular TV, but just announcing games is not really what what, he, what he's made for. Yeah, they had a hard time with that Monday night slot because not only was it John Gruden that's no longer there. But Mike Chirico, the play-by-play announcer, mm. left after like 2016. And so they kind of struggled to find out who's going to be the play-by-play guy, too. Because Chirico and Gruden worked so well together for so long. Yeah. So they've got to find they've got to find a better match though somewhere. Yeah, he he was really good. I, I was a I was a big fan of uh Tirico. and I love Gruden, especially when he talked about quarterbacks. I mean, he just he knew it so well. And so that that's definitely gonna be a good thing. And and you know. I'm not the biggest Major League Baseball fan, but I'll tell you what, if they come back and they're the only game in town, I'll start watching it again. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think everybody would. Like, it would just be, you know, you know like, like Christmas in May. Well, hey, Joe, don't you know the XFL wish they would just would have ignored all these orders and just kept playing? Because this would have been a way for them to guarantee they'll be around for a couple of years. I kind of expected, Dan, for them to do that defiantly just to keep playing their season. Because instead, what we've seen is some of their best players are starting to sign with NFL teams amidst uh, free agency. So they're losing, like, I guess, P.J. Walker, the quarterback for um, uh, the team in Texas, Houston, I guess, and he signed with the Panthers. And so, you know, you're losing some of their best talent. Yeah, that's definitely a shame. But, yeah, I think we all kind of knew that uh, it just seems like at this point, that there is no minor league football league that's going to work. I mean, it's just it's just not it, – it's just not in the cards. I mean, AAF failed. They did a better job, I think, with uh, with the XFL, but I still think people are going to are gonna rebel against it and just not watch it. Because ultimately, the bottom line is, I think LSU could have beaten any team in the XFL. No, no doubt. And here's another thing that hurts the XFL. You talk about, you know, the competition's not as good. You don't have the household names. You did have, you know, some guys that had been popular in college, like, you know, Murray that were playing. But, you know, it's still not quite the same. You know, you contrast that with the other leagues. Like, baseball has a minor league system. The NBA has a development league. Those leagues are still in existence. But you don't really see the games televised. People like to go to minor league baseball games. People love to go to minor league baseball games. Fun experience. If you've ever been to, you know, the Shuckers or the Mississippi Braves. But you don't see those games with the big TV contracts. Yep. I feel like that's the difference here with the XFL. The fact that they're trying to be on the same plane with a, a big-time league and have the television contracts, it's tough to expect that 
to be able to have a minor league football league, I think that's a possibility. But what they're trying to do is uh, just kind of unrealistic. Yeah, Joe, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good example of it right there. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make it another NFL, and you just can't do that. That's that's not what this is. So, I mean, you can ha- you can have minor league sports. The minor league sports are, you're right, it's all about the fan involvement. It's about the atmosphere at the stadium. And it's not about the, the big TV contracts. But you're just never going to have a minor league sport that can support NBC and, and, a- and CBS and get people to actually watch it. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, Joe. So one thing we're going to do before we go into our locker room talk, which I found another great uh, coronavirus-themed uh, locker room talk, the best uh, pickup lines coronavirus-related. I've been laughing about these for a couple days. I'm going to read them out for in a minute. But what we want to do first is, uh, in, in our in our boredom for not having sports, Joe has discovered this amazing website that's called WhatIfSports.com. And what you what you can do is you can put in any team from the past and any team uh, in any sport, and you can have them take on each other. And so Joe and I decided that we were going to put in our lifetimes what we deem the best Auburn team versus the best Ole Miss team in football, and we're going to see what happens. And, of course, uh, as an Auburn fan, that's a realistic one that watches the game with a fine-tooth comb. The 2004 Auburn team is the best team, I think, in Auburn history. And sadly, due to uh, the NCAA, uh, BCS, uh, they didn't get the chance to, to play in the national championship. And instead, we watched Oklahoma get drugged through the floor, uh, you know, beaten to a pulp, and basically pulverized by USC. Instead of getting to, get to see what would have been an amazing game, between the USC Trojans, Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush versus Jason Campbell, Ronnie Brown, and Carl and uh, and Carnell Williams of Auburn would have been a treat. So I think the 2004 Auburn team is the best team uh, for Ole Miss. Joe, I believe you took the uh, 2014 Ole Miss Rebels. 2015. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. Like, uh, 2014 was really good defensively, but to me, the difference is 2015 with Chad Kelly. I mean, he lit up the SEC, was great with the receivers, with Ingram and Treadwell. Um, you know, the offensive line was really good. A pretty good defense, you know. Um, I think that probably, arguably, some of the Johnny Bott teams back in the day may have been better. But, you know, Ole Miss, um, 2015 is fresher on our minds and, Name recognition is key. I felt like going with that team was the better option. Well, Joe, so I ran I ran the simulations, the 2015 uh, Ole Miss Rebels taking on Auburn. I gave you a little boost, and I put Ole Miss at home. And surprising results. I really thought they were going to put Auburn as a 7-10 to 10 point favorite to win this game, but they actually gave the, the win to Ole Miss in the 17-15. Now, obviously, they must think a little bit about the the Vaught Hemingway home field advantage there, because I really didn't think, to to be frank, that Ole Miss had a chance in that game. But that's a big win right there. Uh, They think a lot of Ole Miss's defense, which I will say they had a very strong rush defense, and that was what Auburn did that year. They ran the ball very effectively with Carnell and Ronnie, and so if you had a defense that could hold them down a little bit on the rushing side of it, you might have a chance on that one. 
when you have Ole Miss winning that hypothetical matchup, that's another Ole Miss thing to do because, you know, while Auburn has the BCS and the NCAA to be mad at, Ole Miss 2015 can just be mad at themselves because, you know, they blew it against Arkansas and Memphis. Um, that's what cost them. I mean, they were as good as anybody in the country in 2015. Yeah, they were. And uh, they let a guy pick up a fourth and 25 by having the ball bounce to him. And then the most old Miss moment from that game still is the face mask by Kendichi when he was, what, 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage? I still don't understand that one. Yeah, I remember being at the game and people reacting in celebration and then they saw the flag and it was like, ah. And it wasn't even like you could have anything in your mind about blaming anyone because it was the most obvious face mask you've ever seen, too. Like, yeah, that was, a, that was a highly upsetting game. But, so... If it makes you feel better or maybe worse, Ole Miss fans, you beat one of the better the, the you beat one of the best what it could have shows in the two thousand four Auburn team. And you know, I feel like as more sports goes on, we might have to throw one of these in every show because I think it's great. I will say that uh, based on, on what I've been looking at lately, twenty nineteen LSU is pretty highly regarded. Uh, I ran twenty nineteen LSU versus twenty eleven Alabama last night. And they gave LSU the nod in that one. And 2011 Alabama, I think, is wildly considered the best Nick Saban team. Yeah, that's definitely a fascinating matchup. Yeah, there'll be plenty of time for us to run some more of these. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, what also is a lot of fun is going to the beach and having vacation rentals. Uh, Unfortunately for uh, my good friends Hunter and Ginger Harrelson right now, you can't really go to the beach because it's shut down. But hopefully in a month or so, might be a good time now to reach out to Hunter and Ginger and get a better deal at Beach Ball Properties for your Orange Beach or Gulf Shores getaway. Maybe right when the coronavirus pandemic breaks, be a good time to give them a call. So if you're looking for a shack on the beach or a nice condo in Orange Beach or Gulf Shores, give Hunter and Ginger a call at Beach Ball Properties. Yeah, it's really a good time, you know, to um, buy in advance. People can get gift certificates right now for a lot of things and use them later. But also a shout out to our other sponsor, uh, Jensen Computer Technologies, located right outside of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Contact Ryan or Daryl Gale Jensen for all of your computer needs. All right, Joe. So uh, my locker room talk tonight is just, uh, you know, there's a lot of great fodder you can have. uh, It's sad as it is from the coronavirus. But one of the good jokes I saw was social distancing pickup lines. And I've been sharing these with, with all kinds of people. I think they're absolutely hilarious. So the first one I have is, if COVID-19 doesn't take you out, can I? <laughs> or uh, one of the people at my work really like this one. Is that hand sanitizer in your pocket? Or are you just happy within six feet of me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I know you, you have the list, but I was just going to say real quick that Another uh, lawyer friend of mine in the Hattiesburg area, she was the first one I heard talking about it. She was posting uh, the memes on Facebook, and I, I really like was laughing out loud. Like not a whole lot of things that make me laugh, you know, always hysterically. But that was one of them for sure. I know, Joe. One of the ones that, that you liked uh, was the uh, Prince Charming one. You want to see if you can, you can give that one a roll, real quick? Yeah, it was like a play on of like you know your Prince uh, Charming. And it was something to the effect of, you know, I'll be your uh, Prince Charmin because you think of like Charmin with all the um, toilet paper and the um, outdoor overall that. Yeah, uh, Joe specifically is 
Baby, do you need toilet paper? Because I can be your Prince Charmin. <laughs> um, my personal favorite of all of these, though, there's really good ones all throughout the, the, the deck, is you can't spell virus without you and I. Yeah, I like that one, too. Um, and th I didn't notice this one uh, the other day, but uh, it would have been very fitting during Christmas time. Um, one of the most universally recognized creepy Christmas songs of all time is Baby, It's Cold Outside. Um, I I've heard that last year a lot of people are asking me to be banned from the airwaves because it suggests a sexual assault and rape, which I think is a very ridiculous view on that song. It's a little bit creepy, but I don't think it goes that far. So let's lead into to this uh, coronavirus joke with it. I really can't stay. Baby, it's COVID-19 outside. Wow. How about that? I was like, it, it, that was what I had to think about because the first one I saw it, I was like, oh. <laughs> no, 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 that's a, that's a, that's a you know, ageless song for sure. That is an ageless song. And people just don't, people don't understand it these days, Joe. Uh, here's a good one right here. Uh, I, I, I was a big fan of this. Uh, I saw you from across the bar. Stay there. Uh, <laughs> I like that one too. That's good. <laughs> All right, Joe, I'm going to do one more before we go today. And this one, I think, is, is very good. It's, it's very ethereal. I think there's a lot of poetry into this one. It says a lot about the way life is right now. Without you, my life is as empty as the supermarket shelf. <laughs> Luckily enough, uh, I have this show, and it definitely gives me a, a lot of things that the grocery store can't right now. But good news was, Joe, I did find toilet paper the other day, so there's good things going right now. Uh, yeah. Thank you for uh, all the listeners, and we have Jim Dunaway on next week, so check us out. I'm Dan Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.